Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome once again to Bethesda Church. As you know, we're kicking off a brand new series entitled The Final Countdown. Everybody say The Final Countdown. Um, I have watched certain things play out over the last 18 to 20 months, and that's happened not only in our nation but around the world, and things have drastically shifted as it relates to God's prophetic timeline. Um, And with that being said, my heart has been stirred. I feel an urgency to wake the people of God up so that we can clearly see that the time in which we live is very much pointing to the return of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is in fact returning, but he is only returning and will only be seen by those who are looking for it. Some of us, not just in the world, but in the church, we're looking at the pandemic. We're looking at Fox News. We're looking at CNN. We're looking at the latest mask mandate. And we are not looking for the return of Christ. And there's something in me that wants to wake something up in you that if you're not looking for Jesus to return, you won't be ready when he does. I am stirred up over this because I have watched not only our world drastically shift, but I have watched how the distractions has infiltrated into the church and people who were once on fire for God are falling in to what Jesus described in the last days. They're tossed around by every wind of doctrine. They're offended. They're disobedient. They're rebellious. All because we're not looking for the return of Christ. We are focused on what's going on in our world. But somebody's got to wake up and say, Jesus is returning. He's coming back. Things have shifted. And, and, and I want to say up front, this is going to be, this is not going to be a massage. This series is not a massage. It's going to be a workout. We come to church and we want a massage. This is not it, baby. Working out, if you know anything about it, it hurts, but it produces. Some of what I'm going to preach is going to hurt, but it's going to produce. I believe that by the end of today, people that are cold and lukewarm are going to turn their attention back to Jesus. And I don't say that lightly. They're cold and lukewarm, and they're going to turn back to Jesus. So since this is not a massage and it's a workout, hit your neighbor and say, let's get to work. Let's get to work. There are a couple of things that I now desire as a pastor, and I'm sure of. And I want to make sure that every single one of you and your family, that you're ready when Jesus comes back. That's, that's extremely important. Why do this if people are still going to miss it? 
I want to make sure you're ready for the return of Christ. The second thing that I would say is that at this point, I'm not concerned about anything else except a genuine move of the Holy Spirit. There's a shift happening. And I am concerned that for a large part of people, a large mass of people, they're going through motions, they're checking boxes, but they're not living in relationship with Jesus. Bethesda Church, we have to rise up out of our sleep and experience a move of God and be ready for the return of Jesus. If you believe that, let's give him a praise right there. There's a couple of things that we're witnessing in our world, and one of them is that we are seeing a falling away from Christian values. That at one time, these values were celebrated in this nation, but now it's almost like if you celebrate Christian values, you are the problem, that you are part of the problem. But you have to understand that that is an indicator that we are living in the last days. The Apostle Paul, uh, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, he, he addresses this, and he gives us a very clear picture of what the end times would look like. Now, for some of you that are new to church, um, you, maybe you've heard of the, the term rapture, maybe you haven't. But the rapture is simply when Jesus returns and those who are alive that are in relationship with Jesus are caught up to meet him in the air. This is a real event that is going to happen. And if you're alive and in relationship, when Jesus returns, it means that you will never die. Okay, that's important because the only other people that have never died is Enoch and Elijah. I don't know about you, but I would like to get in the category with Enoch and Elijah and when Jesus returns, not, ha- not to have to experience death, but to be caught up with Jesus. Anybody feel what I'm saying right now? <clears throat> so look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 13. It says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. That's where we get the word rapture. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The word here, caught up, comes from the Greek word, which means rapture. It also comes from the Latin word that means rapture. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the rapture takes place in the twinkling of an eye. Everybody blink. All right, blink again. 
How many know that's fast? That's how quick this event will take place. It happens in the twinkling of an eye. And this event could happen at any time. That one of the next big prophetic events that will take place will be the rapture of the church. Now, when Paul wrote what I just read to you, it upset a lot of people. And the reason it upset a lot of people is because they thought they had been left behind already. Now, how many know if I came and preached that Jesus was coming back and you thought he had already came back, you'd probably be a little bit upset if you thought you had missed out. And so they were a little upset, and Paul, knowing that, he wrote another letter. Um, and he addresses it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And, and so what Paul gives us, and what I want to give you today, are three scenes that are related to the end times. Three scenes. The first scene is a world that is in rebellion to God with the man of sin, that being the Antichrist, ready to lead them. So here, here it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says this, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, For that day, that's capital D day, that day, the coming of Christ, will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So Paul says, don't worry, Jesus hasn't come back yet. He's not going to come back until there is first a falling away from truth, a rejection of biblical Christianity, morality, and values will happen before Jesus returns. And so I want to talk about that that in a couple of different ways. In 2 Thessalonians 2 and 8, The Antichrist is called the lawless one. He has many different names throughout Scripture, but lawless one means against, get this, against the Word of God. It means anti-Word of God. How many know the Antichrist, though it is a person, how many know it is also a spirit? That is anti-Word of God. This is a big deal because if you don't believe the whole Bible, you got a problem. Well, y'all not going to help me. I can already tell. If, if, If you don't love the Word of God, you are not His. We got a lot of Christians who are taking parts of the Bible out. I hate to go down this road, but LGBTQ, you can't be that and be Christian. I know pastors in this nation are woke, but woke is a joke. 
We are taking bits and pieces and trying to classify ourselves as Christian, but if there's a part of my life that is completely in rebellion to God, I don't ask God to change because His Word never changes. I gotta change and bring my life. I told you this is not a massage. This is going to be a workout because how dare we get to the end and a bunch of us are not ready. Sitting up in the church and we go to hell. That's a problem. That concerns me. It's anti-word of God. There's a falling away from biblical truth in the last days. Right now we have a complete rejection of biblical values. We are actually living in a post-Christian world. We have been labeled everything from we have tunnel vision to we are bigots. And, and Jesus would have been labeled the biggest bigot when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one's going to make it to the Father unless they go through me. There's not another way. Well, he's just narrow-minded is what a lot of people would say. What we've seen in this world in the last 10 years, specifically the last, I hate to even go here, the last 20 months, it concerns me. And not just what the world is doing, but what's happening in the body of Christ. Thank you. I don't expect a bunch of amens right now or a bunch of people shouting about it because I said, there are going to be people in this room today, you're going to repent. The Holy Spirit. I know when I'm preaching good because it gets really quiet. It gets really quiet. Jesus prophesied that when he returned, that half the church would be false. That when I come back, half the people that go to church are, are not making it. Half this room is not going to make it if we take Jesus at his word. Half of us are, are playing church. We're checking a religious box. We want to make sure we go on Sunday, we check that box, and we serve a little bit, we check that box. But, but if you're on fire for Jesus... You can't wait to get here. You can't wait to serve. You can't wait to pray. It's a bunch of lukewarm people that we're trying to get to do things, and the reason you can't get them to do things is because it's not in them. Matthew 24, the disciples asked, when will the end be? And Jesus said, let no one deceive you. And he gave a graphic description. We'll hit at another uh, message in this series. And then in the very next chapter, Jesus gives us three parables about his return and about how to prepare for the return. And I'm going to read one of those to you out of Matthew 25, starting in verse number 1. It says, The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. I didn't even give you guys the title, did I? Ill prepared or oil prepared? 
ill-prepared or oil-prepared. Had no oil in them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. My oil is not going to get you to heaven. Your oil is not going to get me to heaven. It's a price you got to pay. It's why Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. You say, well, you don't know what they did to me. God is not going to ask you what they did to you. He's going to ask you, do you have oil? I'll preach until I find a church. The wise answered, saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you. Go rather to those who sell, buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. In other words, it was too late. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open it up to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, watch this, I do not know you. I don't know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Jesus never said that that we wouldn't know the times and seasons. He said we would know the times and seasons. He just said we don't know the day or the hour. I believe we are in the time and we are in the season. I don't know what day he's coming back, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that things have has drastically shifted over the last year and a half. And before I thought, how in the world could there ever be a one world government? And how in the world could they, the government control when I go to work and when I don't and when I eat and when I don't and if I travel and if I don't? But now our eyes should be open of how fast this thing can happen if you can't see it now baby you're never going to see it the writing is on the wall do this and or or you get in trouble do that or if we don't like what you do we'll cancel you it's all being set up and some of this some of us like I wish it would just go back to normal it ain't going back to normal baby A lot of what's happening is going to be continuous. It's going to continue to happen and probably in a lot of ways get worse. But that's what the Bible says the end will look like. How many believe that we are a whole lot closer right now prophetically speaking, not just in the natural, but prophetically speaking than we were just 18, 20 months ago? See the the, the ten virgins in the story, and we we know the ten virgins, it represents the church, the ten virgins, the, the blameless, the pure. The bridegroom is Jesus. And Jesus said that when the bride 
bridegroom comes back, you don't know the day or the hour, but when he comes back, half the church will be ready. They'll have oil. The oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit. It's a representation of an intimate relationship with Jesus. What he's really saying is that half the church is intimate with Jesus, but half the church is playing church. Half the church doesn't know Jesus at all. And, and he's saying that we don't know the day and we don't know the hour. And at this moment, I'm not so concerned with what's happening in the world. My concern as a pastor is about what's happening in the church. I can't control what the whole world is doing. I can't even control what the church, but I can control whether or not I give you the truth so that you can make a decision on whether or not you want to be ready and prepared for the day. And a lot of people struggle because they think, well, I just can't see anybody going to hell. Jesus don't send people to hell. You're right. Jesus doesn't send anybody to hell. He's actually done everything in his power to keep you from going to hell. And if you go to hell, it's because of your own stubbornness and pride. It's because you chose to pay for your own sins instead of, a, instead of allowing him. He's already, it's like me buying your lunch. I pay for your lunch. It's, it, it's yours. I bought it it would be stupid for you to go and pay for it again. And a lot of us, our pride, our ego, we want to do it our way. And instead of accepting the free gift of God's grace, we want to make it on our own, think that we're good enough to get there on our own. But let us be reminded that no man can go unto the Father unless they go through Jesus. This sounds simple. But the church is drifting from this message. It's drifting. So Jesus prophesied and said, when I return, half the church will be false. I will not know them, watch this, but they, they will pretend to know me. Do you know Jesus? Not, do you know church? Not, do you know religion? Not any of that. Do you know Jesus? The second scene that Paul paints for us is the rapture of the church in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. It says, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception, among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, 
but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Paul says there's a great falling away, but then he says, he who restrains will be taken out of the way. And what Paul is talking about here is the the Holy Spirit and the true church. Because when the true church is raptured, the Holy Spirit's not here. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Can you imagine a world when the true church, true followers of Jesus, are taken out of the way? Bethesda Church, did you know that right now we are a restraining force in the world? That we are pushing back the gates of darkness just because of our presence. But imagine when the true followers of Jesus are snatched out of the way and the rapture takes place. Imagine a world without any true Christians in it because that's what it's going to be. This is the world that will occur minutes after the rapture takes place. The instant the rapture takes place, there will be no more preaching on sin. There will be no one who really believes the Bible. You say, well, I I believe, I just missed. Well, you weren't practicing it. Are y'all feeling me or is this like way? I want to go back to massage, Pastor. There is no one who believes the Bible, no one leading people to Christ except for the 144,000 Jews mentioned in the book of Revelation. It's a completely different world. The Apostle Paul says that the restrainer will be taken out of the way. That's the rapture. Then the Antichrist is revealed. Who is the Antichrist, Pastor Chet? Well, I don't know. There's a lot of good candidates. Come on, can I get a witness today? Then Jesus gives us in Luke 17 another picture. He says in verse 26, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they brought, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And it, it, he, he then begins to give us a picture of one person in the field, one taken, one left, two women grinding at the mill, one taken, one left, all these things because he's letting us know there is a real event called the rapture in which people are taken up and people are left. It is a selective rapture. Everybody doesn't go to heaven. A lot of people go to hell, not because God wants them to, but if we go to hell, how many know we chose it? We chose it. If we go there, it's because we made a choice to go there. When it comes to the rapture, a lot of people do not buy the message, even in the church. A lot of preachers will not preach this. 
And the reason they don't buy it is the same reason people didn't buy it in the days of Noah. When Noah was preaching about the waters coming and it had never rained, people made fun of Noah. They made fun of him until the day the rains came and the door was shut and now it wasn't so funny. Now it was, this joker's been preaching truth for a hundred years and we made fun of him. We laughed at him. The same is going to happen with the rapture of the church. A lot of people are going to say, wow, they were telling the truth. Wow, Jesus really did come. The world we live in right now is in line with biblical prophecy. And when Jesus comes back and the rapture takes place, there is no time to repent, not no time to make things right, no time to apologize, no time to start living with joy, no time to forgive those that have wronged you. At that moment, you've missed it. lot of us, we need to be stirred because Jesus is coming back and we're either ill-prepared or we're oil-prepared. It doesn't matter if your wife or your husband is a Christian. You can't get to heaven based on their relationship. Students, if you're in this room listening to me, you can't get to heaven based on mom and dad. I'm preaching to my sons that, that will be in this room. One of them's back there. You can't get there through me. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I also believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. And the, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, one of the reasons I believe that is because the Apostle Paul tells us when it comes to this message, we are to encourage one another. It's hard for me to encourage you if I'm telling you you got to go through seven years of hell on earth where three-fourths of the world's population is destroyed in seven years, completely destroyed. People are buying and selling and doing, getting married and all of that in the beginning of the tribulation, but by the end, watch this, there's none of that. How can I encourage you with that message? But just as it was with Noah and the ark, How many know they were saved and rescued from the wrath of God that was poured out on the earth to wipe it clean? The same is true for you and I, that before God pours out his wrath and opens up the vials on the earth, those that are in relationship with him, their feet are going to leave the ground and join him in the air. I don't care what time it is. Noah and Lot did not go through judgment, and neither will we. The coming of Jesus is compared to the days of Noah and Lot. When you look at that, even Lot's wife, I'm going to get to this probably a little more detail in a minute, but the scripture says that God told him, don't look back. And and the picture is, the picture is, is that if you have a love for the world, more than you're looking for the return of Jesus, you're not ready. You're not ready. In the days of Lot, I'm skipping a bunch of my notes just because I want to hit, I want to make sure I don't miss a couple of things. In the days of Lot, the angels came to Lot and his family 
And the angel said to Lot, watch this, he said to him, we cannot judge this place until you are gone. God is not going to judge this earth until we've been removed out of the way. There is a rapture that is going to take place. Do you know Jesus? Are you ready for his return? How many are looking for Jesus to split the eastern sky and us to be called to our eternal home? We're just passing through here. This is not it. Hit somebody and tell them this is not it. This is not it. The third and final scene is when the church and the Holy Spirit has been removed and there's worldwide deception. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12, he said, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power signs, lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the, receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And it says that God will send on them a strong delusion. Again, Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. And, and a lot of people, let me, let, me, let me say it like this. We, I read to you, and I know I got so many notes, and we'll just have to hit what we can different weeks. When it comes to the coming of, of, of Jesus, we have to be looking for it if we're going to experience it. That this is not something we can just not pay attention to and, and get to experience. And with the story that Jesus told of the ten virgins, let me say it to you like this. Jesus is not going to marry a bride he doesn't know. The rapture of the church is the precursor to seven years of tribulation on earth, but it's a seven-year wedding celebration in heaven. Jesus is not coming back for a church that he's not married to or a church that he doesn't know. He's coming back for people. Think about your, your wife or your husband. And your relationship with God. Compare the two. If you treated your wife the way some of us treat God, your wife would leave you. Your husband would leave you. God is only going to marry those who are committed. Those who have taken up their cross to follow him. Luke 21, he said, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness, cares of this life, that the day, capital D, come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare to all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. In other words, a global event. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus says, don't fall in love with the world, because if you fall in love with the world, you're going to miss my appearance. A lot of people say, well, Pastor, you sound like an escapist. No, I'm not an escapist. I just want to be like Noah, who escaped the judgment. I want to be like Lot, who escaped the judgment. And I want to do what Jesus said to do, be prepared for his coming. I'm not trying to escape anything. Some of y'all, I'll just make it through the tribulation. Baby, if you can't serve Jesus now, you ain't going to serve him. You'll be like, give me a mark here, give me one here. I got to eat. You, you ain't going to serve him then. If you can't serve him now, you're not going to serve him then. The word here, hit your neighbor and say, he's going to finish. Why were they given over to delusion? 
Because you know what I see in the body of Christ right now? Strong delusion. Like we've drunk the wrong Kool-Aid. We've made government God. Y'all, y'all don't want to hear this. They were left behind because of a strong delusion, and he said because they did not receive the love of the truth. The word love here is agape, which is the strongest word for love. And, and they were given over to delusion, and, and it comes down to this. They had no agape or love for truth. In other words, they did not love the Word of God. What is your relationship with the Bible? What, what is your connection to the Scriptures? Are you married to it? Do you love it? Do you wake up with the Word of God? Do you go to bed with the Word of God? When people question it, do you say, no, 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 baby, I'm not standing on your Word. I'm standing on His Word. Where is your love and affection for God's Word? That's the distinction. Worship team, y'all better come. Everybody stand. You can stand for these last five minutes. I've been working. Now you got to work. Mark chapter 8, verse 38 says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This world right now that we are living in is attacking the very thing our life is built on. It's attacking it. Our faith is oftentimes made fun of. We are looked at as narrow-minded, like we don't have enough sense. But at the end of the day, baby, it won't be that I put my trust in a doctor or the government. or It was, did I put my trust... Come on, somebody, in Jesus. Did I put my trust there? Did I trust him? I want to be like the five wise virgins who had oil. Their lamps were trimmed. They had oil. They were prepared. John 1, 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. Truth without grace is surgery without anesthesia. Grace without truth is a bottle with no medicine in it. We need to have grace for people who are far from God, but let us never back up from the truth that is contained within the Word of God, but let us stand on it, let us boldly proclaim it. I have skipped so much, I don't even know where I'm at. But Jesus, once again, he's only coming back for a bride that he knows. Not do you know church. Not did you come on Sunday morning. My question, church, is do you know Jesus? Like, not did you pray a prayer one Sunday, you raised your hand, but your life does not reflect you know him at all. You live however you want to live, but because you prayed a prayer one time in a church service that you're... No, do you know him? If I only spoke to Pastor Karen once a month, our marriage would not make it. And some of us, we only talk to God every once in a blue moon, and a lot of times it's only if we're in a real bad situation. 
It's only if things are really, really bad, then we'll call on him. But he wants to know you intimately. He wants you to know him intimately. And as I was preparing for this message, I know this message for some of you is like, I wish he would just shut up. This is uncomfortable. But God said, he he said, Chad, there's going to be cold people there that have been coming to church, but they've drifted. They've been coming to church, but they're not in relationship with me. And he said, there's lukewarm people that are just checking boxes. And the book of Revelation says that if you and I are lukewarm, God will spew us out. It literally means that God will take you out of his mouth. It literally means that God has nothing more to say over you. That's what happens when we're lukewarm. And I've thought about this. I've prayed about this. This is really uncomfortable. I get it. But God said there's going to be cold people. There's going to be lost people. And there's going to be lukewarm people in that building and watching online. And I don't want this to be one of those moments where we're just worried about whatever. Who cares what anybody else thinks? Who really cares? Why, why do we care so much? So instead of heads bowed, eyes closed, and all that stuff, I'm not doing that today. I'm not doing it. And the reason I'm not doing it, it's not that I'll never do it again. I'm not doing it today because of the magnitude of what I've preached to you. I am going to ask that the altar workers go ahead and get in place all around this building. I'm doing things way different today, way, way, way different. But there's parts of me that just like, I don't want church as usual. I want some church as unusual. (laughs) But you may be in this place today, and maybe you've been coming to church a long time. Maybe this is your first time to church. Maybe you've been in and out of church. But if you know right now you don't know Jesus, you're not prepared for his coming, you're not ready for that. You're lukewarm, you're cold, you're indifferent. So that's a lot of truth. That is a lot of truth, but there's also a lot of grace. Did you know this moment is a moment of grace? This is God saying, you can make things right. Here's my altar call. If you know you fall into the lost category, the cold category, or the lukewarm category, I don't care what your spouse thinks. I don't care what anybody on your row thinks. I want you to, on the count of three, I want you to get out of your seat and meet me in this altar. One, two, three. This is your moment of grace. This is your moment of opportunity. This is your moment to make things right. This is the moment to say, I'm not going to be cold. I'm not going to be lukewarm. I'm not going to be indifferent. Come on, church. Come on, church. Celebrate them as they're coming. Celebrate them as they're coming. Come on, don't look at the person next to you, in front of you, behind you. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him. Come on, they're coming. I see people I had not seen in a long time coming into this altar. Come on, celebrate. Prodigals are coming home right now. This is what it's about. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. 
I'm going to give you a couple more seconds. There's some of you, you didn't respond, and you're like, I should have went. Here's your moment. Here's your moment. Here's your moment. Thank you. Here's your moment. Say, I don't want to miss out on this prayer. I don't want to miss out. You say, what's happening right now? We're getting ready to repent. Can I be honest with you and very transparent that as I was preparing for this message, I repented areas where I had been so distracted from my personal walk with Jesus at the end of the day all that matters church is that we know him and I celebrate each and every one of you that made this bold step today to say I want to make sure that my relationship with Jesus Christ is what it should be church give it up for him we're going to pray together in just a second Every voice lifted, heads up, eyes open. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Stir me. Pour your fire on me. Let me be awake not distracted and that I would know you intimately in the name of Jesus amen and amen and amen and amen and amen so be it I'm fired up I'm not cold I'm not lukewarm I'm not lost I know Jesus I am stirred I am pumped I'm looking for his return Come on, church, give him the loudest praise you can right now. Take 10 seconds and give your God a praise. Woo! Worship team, y'all better get ready. We need to worship. Y'all ready to worship together? Come on, those of you that came, stay in the altar. Let's worship together. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.